This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only Brandon Swan Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast right here on Most Valuable Podcast. This is where we look at college football, we look at college basketball. Well, today, B, we're just looking at college basketball. I almost, like, I wanted to throw, I'm like, ah, let's see if we want to throw a draft topic in there for the NFL. But when I gave you a selection for the third topic, you said, you know what, let's go all basketball for this one. So that's what we're doing. All basketball. Going to start with our tourney, a little bit of recap, more so a preview of the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Then we're going to jump into Tom Crean getting hired by the Georgia Bulldogs. Then we're going to look at Arizona. Should Sean Miller be on his way out with the Arizona Wildcats? And then looking at Michael Porter Jr., did he hurt himself by playing in the SEC tournament and then in the NCAA tournament with the two games that the Mizzou Tigers had? Before we get into all that, a little bit of housekeeping. Number one, patreon.com backslash Mosville podcast. That's where you can support us. Make sure we can keep doing what we do for you each and every week. Number two, buy that t-shirt. It's so slick. The MVP t-shirt that's stored down below in the description as well. Number three is if you're on iTunes, have Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to this on iTunes, you have Apple Podcasts, still go over and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out and it would mean the world to us. And then last but not least, mostavailablepodcast.com. That's where everything goes up, whether it's audio, whether it's video, whether it's an article, whether it's anything, it goes up on mostavailablepodcast.com. So you want to go ahead and bookmark that baby. But Brandon, what a week. I feel like Thursday to Sunday has been a week in itself. <laughs> like my stress levels and like my cheering levels, like my blood pressure from cheering has just gone through the roof with this pad. Like all the you were saying before we recorded, it was hard to pick upsets and then everyone got upset. Yeah. I mean it was uh it was one of the things where it, it, it happened exactly how we thought it would, right? A little a bit. sixteen beat a one. <laughs> Um, oh, in the South so, region, so there's happy. a nine against a five and eleven versus a seven. <laughs> I mean, it's happened exactly how we how we figured it would. No, it, it's it's been, and, and I've been saying this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on 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 Twitter, I've been saying this uh, to a lot of my friends. This has been the craziest march that I've ever witnessed, mm-hmm. and I really think I can hold firm to that that I've ever witnessed in my 24 years. This has been the craziest, craziest March Madness that I've ever seen. Well, and I think it's because we've never, we've never had a 16 beat a one. We have, I mean, to, to, to in one region, mm-hmm. again, nine versus five, 11 versus seven, to have an 11 this far, to have even a seven this far, I, I think it's, you know, you have the one out in the south, the ones out in the west, I, it's it's crazy. It is crazy what's happening and how it's happening in the games. Most of them mm-hmm. are so close, down to the wire, down to the last minute. It has been such a fun march. They all are, but this is probably to date the craziest and my favorite. Well, and the thing that this is, I asked Sean this, and I want to ask you because I was trying to pull up the tweet, but it was from Thursday. And uh, I can't really find the tweet right now, but someone tweeted me on like Thursday or Friday and they asked, what do you think of the tournament if they did single elimination until the final four in the championship? 
and then did best of five in the final four, best of seven in the national championship. At first, my idea was, no, don't do that. I like the single elimination style. Before I tell you the little story I'm going to do, what would you say to that? If they said, hey, we're going to make the final four then a best of five and the championship a best of seven. Uh, I I don't like that. That's going to be... they're they're going to be too tired. Mm-hmm. I mean the the way that this is the way that it already plays out. I mean you can see you know some teams just being gassed because the of the UMBC. games that they played the, the the games that they played before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the 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 two days before that. So it's I and I also I think that it would take away uh, a big part of the excitement of it. Mm-hmm. It's like oh they lost. Well it's just the first game. You know they have a chance for a couple of more. I don't like that. The way that they have that in the NBA is just fine, mm-hmm. but it, it it works. But with college basketball, I think it would really take away the the excitement that we have in it of people being on the edge of their seat and knowing that a team has to show up, play well on that night. Because any given night, mm-hmm. they could win or they could go down. I think it kind of takes away part of that, and that's not what we want. Well, and the reason why I ask you that, what you're saying, is I asked Sean that on Wednesday, and he's like, at first he's like, no, you know what? Because he, he's like, in a series, best team wins. Like, you have Virginia, UMBC. All right, you won that one game. Odds are Virginia's winning four before you win four if you're UMBC. But with one game, you played better. You got the better hand. You won that one game, and then after the Michigan shot happened against Houston, he sent me and Dave a text message and said, yeah, keep it exactly how it is. Keep it exactly how it is. Like this year, we have seen Loyola with two buzzer beaters, basically two buzzer beaters, to win their games. Nevada with their, I would say their defensive play to end the game against Cincinnati, but even their play against Texas to force overtime by getting Bamba with a foul and then beating them in overtime. Michigan with that final shot that they had. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that were really like the Xavier, Texas, something that wasn't even a game. Um, but we had, let's see, the Syracuse game against Michigan State was close. This has been a fun tourney, but let's move forward. Let's do the similar thing that we did for the preview, but we're going to do it on a much smaller scale because there's not as many teams. Let's start with region by region. We'll start with the South. The Sweet 16 Elite Eight matchups. We got Texas, we got Kansas State, Kentucky, Loyola, Chicago versus Nevada. What are you thinking about this region heading into weekend number dose? Well, K State has played well, and this is the first time that they've been back to the Sweet 16 in, mm-hmm. in, in quite some time, so they're they're excited to be where they're at. They're going to be going up, though, against a pretty strong, competitive Kentucky team, and whenever you have a John uh, Calipari team at this point, you know, it comes down to coaching, and can Coach Cal out-duel your guy, Bruce Weber? Bruce Weber. Former Illini. Oh, why do you ever and, leave? And uh, and you were just saying that before I we was. came on about Bill Self. This is actually but, the last. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. This is oh, they were in it last year, but before that, 2014 was the last time K State's been in the tournament before last year. So, in this one, I'd come down to, and I think what it could come down mm-hmm. to is who's been here more often, who's more comfortable with this spot, and that's going to have to go to Coach Cal, where I, I would probably give the upper hand to. To Kentucky in the Loyola and Nevada game, I really like Nevada in this one. I know Loyola 
and everyone is kind of got to ride with kind of right right behind them, getting on their bandwagon. Mm-hmm. But I've 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 slowly gotten on. I shouldn't say slowly, quickly gotten on the Nevada bandwagon after they beat Texas, which I was hoping for because I had picked them to beat Texas. But mm-hmm. once they did that, came back fourteen points against Texas to win. Then they come back twenty two points down. Not in the game, the second half of the game, they're down twenty two points. They fight back. They come back and they win. I'm all aboard Nevada, and the reason why I think it's going to be them is because one thing Eric Musselman said after the game was over and they talked to him about how, you know, his guys had to keep grinding and the game kept going and they kept getting more tired, he said, but we, he said, the more we go, he said, the stronger we get. Because he said that's how we condition. That's how we condition throughout the year. I don't know if Loyola is going to be able to keep up with Nevada, mm-hmm. and Nevada's got so many good shooters. It is going to be a very, very good game. I think Nevada's going to squeak that one out. The one thing I hate about this region is how now whenever you hear people talk about it, they always say the same thing now. Like, well, you know— UVA lost, Arizona lost. This is Kentucky's region to win, right? Like, they're going right to the Final Four. Let's bye-bye, Thundercats. Bye-bye, Loyola, Chicago, and Nevada. Vroom, vroom, Kentucky's going right to the Final Four. I don't believe that. I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if Kentucky gets to the Final Four, but I would not count and look past any of these teams. Like Coach Cal was saying on PTI before I drove over to the podcast today, Kansas State's going to give them some hard looks, especially defensively. And the one thing that I find funny, we had a discussion earlier in the year, is the Big 12 the going to be like the best conference this year, basically? And you look at the teams that are still available. Kansas State's still there. West Virginia's still there. Texas Tech is still there. Kansas is still there. You've got Texas, or Texas A&M is now in the uh, SEC. You've got four teams still available. You look at the ACC, I know they had a little bit more teams, I believe. Syracuse, Duke, Clemson, Florida State, so that's four. And then I don't think there's anyone left, so they both have four. And you had more entries in the ACC in this tournament than you did the Big 12. So after this weekend, Big 12 should could still have or could take the most teams left in the tournament. Loyola, Chicago, Nevada. Nevada's a good team coming back from 22 points down. This is going to be, to me, I'm calling it like a wrestling matchup. It's the comeback versus, uh, what do I want to call Loyal versus the sister because of Sister Jean. It's the whole show whenever you watch Loyola is what's Sister Jean. After the game, we're going to Sister Jean. What What does she have to say about it? What's she thinking about it? The whole mystique about it. I can't get off of the Loyola-Chicago train. Maybe it's because we're in Chicago, and I'm just banking on the Loyola-Chicago because they're technically hometown here. I can't root against them. I cannot root against the Ramblers, and I want to see Kentucky-Loyola, and I would love to see the Ramblers in the Final Four. You know, I, I don't think that uh, with whether you see Loyola, whether you see Nevada, you, you I don't think you lose— with whoever with whoever wins that game mm-hmm. because it's an underdog. It's an underdog who got to this spot who a lot of people probably counted out. I mean, Nevada had the better seed over Texas. They were mm-hmm. the 7, Texas was the 10. Many people favored Texas in that game. You did. Uh, and and I, I think that when the game really got going and Texas had their 14-point lead, 
that's how it was looking, like Texas was the better team. Nevada was able to keep uh, come back, keep up, and, and end up being the team that was able to last longer. And that's that's where I think Nevada's going to get Loyola, is that they're just going to last longer in the game. And that's what they did yesterday. They lasted longer, and they were more composed than Cincinnati was. Cincinnati, too many fouls down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Also, it doesn't help when you miss uh, shots for four and a half minutes Plus, and you don't make anything. when you're up 22, I mean, you don't want to say this, but do you think in their minds Complacency. up 22, they were, complacent. were they looking ahead to Loyola Chicago? The, n- Cincinnati thought they had won the game. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati thought they had won the game, as did I think a lot of the viewers, yep. as did a lot of the fans. Um, and the Wolfpack don't stop. No, they don't, and and that's where Nevada is going to be very, very dangerous. Whether mm-hmm. they beat Lloyd, if they lose in this one, that's tough. Great season for them, but if they win, that's where they're going to be dangerous because they do not stop, they do not quit. However, one thing that was killing them against Cincinnati, they couldn't get rebounds. Mm-hmm. They could not get rebounds. That's what Cincinnati was really doing, and how they were getting a lot of their points. They were they were outboarding them. If that happens again, Nevada could be in a little bit of trouble, but they even they show that they can obviously fight that, but they don't really want to put themselves in that position again. Make your picks one more time for this region. I'm going to go with Kentucky, and I'm going to go with Nevada. Okay, do you have a coin on you? Do you have a coin uh, on yeah, you? Yeah, actually, okay. I might today. Here's what I want you to do, because I'm filling out a second-chance bracket. I agree with you with Kentucky. I disagree with you with Nevada. So Nevada will be tails, Loyola will be heads. Oh, you want me to flip it? Yeah, I can't flip a coin you can't very flip well. A coin? Not well. Heads. So it's going to be Loyola Chicago is who we go with. Of course. It, you, know, you didn't even say who you were going with, did you? Yeah, I said Loyola Chicago. I said Tails was Nevada. Heads is Loyola Chicago. Of course. it's. And then Kentucky, Loyola Chicago. Who are we picking? Who would you pick? Kentucky versus Loyola in the Elite Eight. Kentucky. I would like to pick Loyola, but I got to go with Kentucky. Let's move on to the West, though. I'm going to keep this coin in case we need it again, in case we disagree, because we're not going to be like uh, like Kenny and Charles. We're going to flip a coin to get one. We're not just going to put a question mark. What about the <laughs> West, though? We've got number nine Florida State against the fourth-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. Then we got my national champion. I'm just going to pencil them through so my bracket stays the same. Number three, Michigan, going up against number seven, Texas A&M. I want to actually start with the Texas A&M-Michigan matchup. The buzzer beater versus the complete dominance of the defending champion. That's what we have in this game. Well, after what I saw from Texas A&M, and I watched that entire game Mm -hmm. that they played against North Carolina, they're a solid team, and they're healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I know that they had mentioned on the broadcast is that people just now are seeing what they could have been mm-hmm. throughout the entire season. That's why all of a sudden now they're coming onto the scene because they're healthy. They have everyone back. They're playing well. They are stacked. Possible uh, lottery pick in Robert Williams. Yes. Yes. And how about that dunk he had mm-hmm. yesterday? Ooh, dirty. <laughs> I liked it. Um, but they're they're a very, very good team. They can get rebounds. They have a lot of size, especially right down uh, right right down low with Davis. Um, I, I think that, that this is a team that's going to be tough for Michigan, um, especially if Michigan's outside shooting doesn't come to play. But like how it was against Houston, where they Houston and Michigan weren't hitting much from beyond the arc in that game. That's exactly what I'm thinking. But Michigan's got to get off to a better start. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they they. Obviously did not get off to even a good start against Montana, but that no. was Montana. They were able 
So I'm, to not overcome saying, it. I'm not saying that because, you know, Montana could have been the, the marshal, mm-hmm. you know, this year. But could have been the UMBC. <laughs> but they uh they were able to come back against them. This this Texas A&M team, I think, is going to be a lot more difficult to be down that much early. And we saw what North Carolina couldn't do. Mm-hmm. They couldn't make their threes. Yeah, That's what they relied upon. Michigan, most likely, going to be relying upon the three again. If, they, if it's not there and they're going 6-31 of 31 from the floor uh, on threes, we saw what could happen. Mm-hmm. They won't win. They will not win, and Texas A&M will take control. So that's going to be a really good game. And the one thing I know people are going to mention is, guys, how do you not look past the Michigan basically had the, like, I'll even say it, Michigan had the basketball gods in their favor against Houston because if I think it was Davis for Houston, if he goes to the line and makes one, or no, makes two of those three free throws that he missed, like he missed like his last three or last four free throws from the line, he makes two of those, Houston wins by one, buzzer beater doesn't matter. So, like, there's that to it. Then there's the, like, we were learning today that Poole, the freshman who made the shot, said he couldn't see the basket when he let the ball go. The guy who was in front of him, he did not have a visual on the basket. Just let it go. Just let it go. And did you see that um, it was, I think, a summer ago? Mm-hmm. He made the he made a game winning shot. Yep. Same same angle, same well, way his legs were. That everything play all like the that. Time. Crazy, crazy, identical. And, and the gif that I retweeted from Yahoo Sports is the perfect gif from that game because you see the one player from Houston laying on his stomach like this. He's crying under there. You know it. And just behind him, you see the Michigan pile going crazy that they won. The per the most the perfect gif from. The tourney this past week, or maybe of all time. Well, what I liked is that everyone's running around on the floor for Michigan. He didn't want him to tackle and, him. And Mo Wagner stops. Uh huh. And one of the uh, Houston guys on the sidelines, mm-hmm. you know, is is standing there. He stops. He goes over to him. He gives him kind of a, a little hug over the shoulder, and then kind of you know jogs goes back. I, I just thought that was really classy sportsmanship, and that's that's really good sportsmanship because because you can get so mm-hmm. caught up in that. It's nice to be able to still come over and say, "Hey, you guys played your hearts out," and it, it, you know I think that's I think that's nice to see. Who are you picking, Michigan or Texas A and M? I'm going to go with Texas A and M. I'm going to go with Michigan. So we're going to have Michigan as heads, Texas A and M as tails. So how I'm doing it is the team on top. Is heads the team on the bottom is tails. What does it say, B? It's heads. So it's Michigan. Michigan moves that. Brandon's not had. Brandon thinks the coin that he gave me is rigged. Um but so here's the thing is that my bracket mm-hmm. is absolutely it's got more red that's on it, I'm sure, than, than green. Yeah, that's why but, we're doing this. Um you get a second chance, B. Yeah. I don't even think I do well with my second chance. But I've got Michigan as my loser in the championship mm-hmm. to Michigan State. What about Florida State and Gonzaga? Gonzaga beating Ohio State. They almost lost that game. And then Florida State, yeah, Xavier, you might have trounced your 16th seed. But Florida State came to play, got the win. I like this Gonzaga team. I think that this is a prime example to me of the like conversation that people are having right now of like oh the you see these mid major teams having a little bit more success because they have juniors they have seniors they have the more experienced guys this to me is going to come down to a the zags are more 
experience when it comes to the tournament, and Coach Few is going to know and going to have his guys prepared for this first game. I think the Zags come out, take care of business, get rid of the Seminoles in this game. I'll be honest with you. I have not seen a Gonzaga game yet um, this this uh, tournament. Not as flash as they but, were last year. But um, they have not won games outright mm-hmm. like they did last season. Uh, obviously, their first game was really close against mm-hmm. UNC Greensboro. They only win by four. I told they, you, I told they you were, to watch out for them, too. I said watch out for them, although I said the Zags would win. They were uh, on upset alert for a little bit. And then even the game against Ohio State was mm-hmm. a close one. Ohio State, no slouch. And They I were think, coming back, too. I think that uh, that's really positive for the Big Ten. They don't get as many teams in as they mm-hmm. would have liked to, but the teams they got in— Outside of Michigan State losing yesterday to Syracuse, Mm -hmm. which was unfortunate, and they probably should not have, but the Big Ten has actually had a pretty good show. I think they're now four and two over. They were four and one after the Ohio State. I think they were. I thought they were six and one. They were six and one. So now now they're six and two after Michigan State. Six and two. I do because Michigan State would be the second one. But we've got Michigan. The Wolverines are still in it. Purdue is still in it as well. They're the only Big Ten teams left in the tournament. So, Gonzaga, what I would say is that they're they're obviously still good. They've gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. But Florida State, what I like from them last night is they're obviously a team that's they're not going to quit, and they just beat one of the number one seeds, one of the weak mm-hmm. number one seeds in I my mind. I said the weakest. But um, I, th- I would say Kentucky would be right next. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, That makes no sense. Um, right after that would be next after that. Uh, so Florida State's going you mean to get... Kansas? Are you talking about one seeds, right? Excuse me, Kansas. Kansas. Excuse me, not I was Kentucky. Like, Kentucky's Kansas. <laughs> Excuse me, Kansas. Kansas would be mm-hmm. uh, the next weakest one. Uh, but uh, people would argue and say, mm-hmm. no, that's Virginia because yeah. they're gone. But... Florida State, they looked good. They made clutch shots when they needed to. They hung in there. They did a really good job of, I think, being really aware of who had fouls, who couldn't foul, who needed to be, who needed to have the ball taken to them on the other side for Xavier and get them in foul trouble. This is going to be a good game. And I think that uh, after all said and done, I do think Gonzaga is going to squeak it out. Who do you got winning? Florida State. I said the Zags. Who are you going with? Unless you or the Zags. I'm going to go Gonzaga. Okay. So we're so we've got our Elite Eight for it. Who are you picking though? The Zags against Michigan. And what do you think about that potential matchup? I'm if it's Gonzaga and Michigan, I'm going to go with Michigan. Okay. Me I, too. Th- I think that Michigan can outshoot Gonzaga. Um, however. Um, if Gonzaga is able to control points in the paint, uh, that could give Michigan a little bit of trouble because Michigan's more of that perimeter team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where they've thrived this season. So, again, it, it, I, I want to go back to what we literally saw yesterday mm-hmm. or when this vi- video comes out on this past Sunday. Because we're recording this on Monday. Against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Great team. But if you go 6 of 31 from 3, you're going to lose. Kind of like how Michigan went against Houston. They were like 6 of 20-something from 3. Like, I was listening on the radio coming home on Saturday, and they said something like, oh, combined, these teams are 12 of, like, 50-something from 3. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then I watched the entire second half, and I'm like, wow, this team's not shooting well, but the one shot they needed went in. So we have a Kentucky-Michigan Final Four. 
We'll look at that a little bit at the end when we give just that pick. We won't preview those games. But let's move on into the Midwest. We'll do the U. I know we did the kind of like N in our preview when we did the full podcast last week. But let's do the U. We'll move over to the Midwest. We got the Kansas Jayhawks, number one, taking on the fifth-seeded Clemson Tigres, who just demolished the Auburn Tigres in a Tigre-on-Tigre matchup in the second round. Then Syracuse, who Tom Izzo said, man, that zone is tough to play. They beat Michigan State. They get Duke. And I want to ask you this, Brandon. Do we have any shot of seeing either Clemson or Syracuse in the Elite Eight? Or is this a region where it's like, you know what? Just book it. Book it. You got Duke who's playing confident right now. Kansas is playing confident right now. Although Kansas almost lost to Seton Hall, and I was kind of rooting for that, to be honest. I'm sorry, Patrick. But are we are we for sure going to see a Kansas-Duke Elite Eight, or is there a chance for Clemson-Syracuse to ruin that party? Well, if there's anything that this tournament has showed us this year is that nothing yes. <laughs> is... Nothing is for sure. Mm-hmm. You can't book anything. Um, I, I I think that a lot of people would look at this and see Kansas and Duke and go, well, that's automatic. Mm-hmm. But I and I know that Michigan State has not just on Sunday, but in the past struggled against Syracuse's defense. But Duke is a team that has seen Syracuse, that knows Syracuse. It is an and, ACC and, matchup. And some people would say, oh, well, that's that's good for Duke. It's also good for Syracuse mm-hmm. because this is a matchup. These teams have beat each other. Syracuse has won. Duke has won. They've both lost. I, I, I think that it's one of those where, as we've called games before, Ricky, mm-hmm. The team knows what's going to happen. Exactly. Duke knows what Syracuse is going to do. They know how the zone goes. They know how long those guys are in the Mm -hmm. zone. And they know what they have to do to beat it. Their biggest thing is can they execute? Can Grace it will Grayson Allen be on with his shooting? Is Bagley going to be on and be a big be a big threat? Is everyone else around the ball for Duke going to be able to make plays? If that happens, if they execute to perfection or close to it, they'll beat Syracuse. But if Syracuse is able to take guys away, I mean, Jaron Jackson did literally nothing Mm -hmm. for Michigan State. He could have been off the floor the entire time. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. have made any difference. Michigan State also could not make their shots. Mm -hmm. The open shots that they had. If they would have, they would have won the game. I'm going to say that Duke has the upper hand here because Duke will make their shots. Duke's playing at a better level right now, and I think that Syracuse is going to find it difficult to be able to slow them down. When it comes to Duke this year, you know how in the preview for the whole tournament we said we're either going to see two Duke teams, we're either going to see one Duke team that comes out and it's like, all right, they're going to get bounced in the first weekend, or we're going to see a Duke team that goes all the way to the championship. I'm kind of feeling after two games, we could be looking at the latter. We could be looking at a Duke team that is in the national championship. Now, do I want that to happen? No, because three of my final fours are alive, and Duke is not one of them, and my national championship is knocking on, well, knocking on wood, still alive thanks to Michigan, that final shot. My champion didn't get knocked out by Houston. This Duke team is rolling, and all the starters are rolling. They're just playing right at the exact time 
this is a game where coming in, I was thinking, like, before you spoke, I was like, oh, well, a good thing is that Duke gets a week. Like, if this was a, we got to play them after playing a game already, all right, Syracuse's zone might get the jump on them because they might be tired. A beneficial thing to Duke might be, hey, we've been, we're coming into this game rested, so we can expel energy in this game to beat the zone. And with Syracuse, I wonder if they're going to have the firepower to keep pace with the Duke Blue Devils right now. Because Duke's averaging, what, like 80-some points per game and then only allowing 60-some points on the defensive end. Like, that is unheard of, that you see a team win by 20 points consistently in the tournament. And this Duke team, I'm going to be honest, I'm picking them to win this game. I'm picking them to continue going, and I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised if they cut down the nets. However, I wouldn't want to see it. Give me your pick, though. Are you going Syracuse? You going Duke in the Sweet 16 matchup? I'm gonna go with Duke. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Duke as well. That was an easy one. How about Kansas and Clemson? Is this where the dance ends for the Jayhawks? You know, I'd like to say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really would. I know I sound like a complete a hole, but gotta say sorry to Patrick. Uh, sorry, Patrick. <laughs> I'm not sorry though. I'm really not. Sorry, it's nothing. It's nothing against you, I'm not but sorry. it's um. Leave it to Demi. Um, but. Uh, no, uh, Clemson has been good to this point. They played well against New Mexico State. I actually had Clemson out in round one uh-huh. um, right away. A lot of people did. A lot of people were buying the New Mexico State hype. They were buying it. Yeah, I bought it. I did not. I stayed with that Auburn-Clemson matchup, and then I bought the Auburn hype, which was not good. <laughs> which was not good at all because Clemson completely rolled Auburn in that second game. Yeah, Clemson won pretty Pretty handily even against New Mexico State. They won by 11 in that matchup. And then, yeah, the the game last night was just stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, Auburn was awful. They were terrible. They they were not actually very good against Charleston either. Um, but I, I think how Auburn had looked in their tournament, mm-hmm. how they got bounced by Alabama, mm-hmm. that did not spell good things for Auburn in this tournament. But Clemson... You have to give them credit because of how they've played so far. You also have to give them credit coming from the ACC because they're playing against really good teams. They play against North Carolina, Duke, uh, Virginia, all all these teams, and they they split with North Carolina. I want to say they split with Duke. Could be wrong there. Mm -hmm. But they're playing against really some of the cream of the crop teams, not only in this tournament, but in the country in general. And then you have Kansas Kansas, a really good team coming from the Big 12. They won the Big 12 yet again. They they went up against some really good competition this year. This is going to be, I think, a pretty good matchup. But because of experience in this spot, I'm going to have to give it to Kansas and their group of core players. The one thing I find humorous about this region is if Clemson wins, they're the only one that has to win for this to work. If they win, then we get an ACC Elite Eight matchup in the Midwest. Because then it wouldn't matter who Duke or Syracuse wins, because either way, we're going to get ACC. I am going to go. I'm going to go with Kansas as well. Part of me wants to go with the hot streak of, hey, you know what? Let's go with Clemson. But I'm going with Kansas only because I picked them to go to my championship and. The reason why I did that when I picked my bracket is with Kansas this year, and I know they almost lost to Seton Hall, where Seton Hall didn't miss a sh- Like, they were down, what, like 
11 points, 12 points with a minute 10 to go. And we're sitting out to dinner, Dave, Sean, and I, after recording the fast break, and Sean goes, it's over. And I'm like, don't be so don't be so uh so fast to say anything can happen. Although in my mind, I'm like, yeah, it's probably over. Kansas is gonna win. And they didn't miss a shot in that last minute and ten seconds. And they almost won that game. And the one of the the things that just pulls at your heartstrings, watching the Seton Hall coach be asked about his seniors. And then say, you know, I'm not going to talk about that because if I do, I'm going to cry. And seeing him fight back tears just by saying that, I'm going to pick Kansas mainly because I'm going to go back to the Jay Williams thing of it. Of I did the same thing that um, I'm trying to think Seth Greenberg did in the Big 12 tournament. Kansas or the field, I went with the field, I was wrong. And I went into this tournament saying I'm not going to bet against Kansas until they played Michigan, and that's when I bet against them. What are you going to do if Kansas meets Duke in the Elite Eight, though? Who wins that game? I'm going to go with Duke. I think that Duke has more firepower. I think that they have more stars on their team. Uh, Kansas has a can't. Yeah, I got to get the coin K- ready. Kansas has a. Um, I, I think a really good core group with Devonte Graham, with Svi McKay, with uh, Svi Mikhailuk, with uh, Azabuki, and all all of them. They've played well, but I just think that Duke, at their best, is better. You know the game. Kansas is the head because they're on top. Duke is the tail because they are on the bottom. Ooh, thought I wasn't going to catch that one. Lost it in the light. It's tails, our first tails. Duke moves on. So Brandon's like, yay, one of mine finally gets to move on to the next round. Not that I win either way. I mean, I don't want either of them there, really. But How about the East, though? Villanova, West Virginia... Texas Tech and Purdue. The big question is for me, Purdue, because yes, they beat Butler, but is Isaac Haas going to be able to play for the rest of this tourney? I know you get some games off now before Texas Tech. Could this be a game, Texas Tech and Purdue, where the Boilermakers get bounced and the Red Raiders, who are playing hot right now, move on to the Elite Eight? I don't know about that uh, because even even yesterday mm-hmm. it was one of those games where Purdue, where a lot of people thought, okay, no Isaac Haas, things are going to be really difficult for Purdue. Well, I think that they felt it, but they played pretty well. Carson Edwards didn't play well. He didn't mm-hmm. have a great game, but everybody else kind of came and showed up. Dakota Mathias, I thought, had a nice game, and he had a couple of really clutch shots and a clutch three towards the end. But you know who I thought played really, really well, and not because he had a ton of points, but Matt Harms. He was called upon to do a whole lot. This is a guy that usually comes off the bench. 7-3 guy. A little, little kind of big. Um, and he's called upon to be a starter. And as they talked about yesterday... Energy that you get as a starter is different than energy that you get off the bench Mm -hmm. and how you can add that to a game. So the fact that he was called upon to have 20, 30 minutes yesterday in a starting role, he did a really nice job. And I think that if he can continue to do what he did, plus a little bit more, and if Carson Edwards comes and plays well, if uh, Vincent Edwards plays well, I I think that you throw in Dakota Mathias as well. Purdue's going to be a really tough team to play, and that's all without Isaac Haas. I mean, he can try it again. He's not going to be able mm-hmm. to go. He's just not. I mean, he couldn't even put a shot up yeah. yesterday. Well, and- Purdue looked 
still against a, a, a Butler gave it their all. They literally gave Purdue everything they had, and Purdue was still able to look better and come out with the win. Well, the thing that I think back to, and I want to get to, I got to get his name right. Um, the thing that it was Frank Martin. That's who it was. That's who they had on CBS inside whatever it is after the game. And they were talking about this. And he said there was one time, and I might be misquoting, but I'm trying to remember what I heard on TV. Um, Frank Martin said, he goes, yeah, I was on a team once where players injured. It's something like same thing with the, with the shoulder or the elbow. And the doctor said, no, you're not cleared. And he goes, I'm playing in this game. There's no way you're keeping me out of it. And the doctor goes, give me 10 push-ups. You can give me 10 push-ups, I'll medically clear you. Kid tears down his face in agonizing pain, does 10 push-ups, and the doctors go, all right, you're medically cleared. Frank Martin goes, now as a coach, I'm in a position where it's like, where, where you're looking at it, well, the doctors cleared him. Do I play him because he's medically cleared? Or do I not play him because... And he went into the whole thing of, like, the whole father figure thing and going into what, like, the players mean and that. And he goes, it's a fine line you got to ride, and Purdue's going to have that. And I don't think Isaac Haas plays in that game. And that's why I think this could be a prime game that Texas Tech gets the jump. Like, they are another team that is catching fire right around the right time of the year. They are catching fire at the right time, winning their last two games, and I wouldn't be surprised if they go up against Purdue, who, yeah, they got past Butler, but I'll be honest, I was score-watching that while I was at work on Sunday, and I was looking at it going, this is closer than Purdue fans might like. Like, we had Matt on this phone, and I asked him, what if Butler beat Purdue? And he goes, well... Sounds like a Purdue thing. It's a team we should beat, but we'll probably lose to them if we play them. So with me coming into this weekend, if Isaac Haas doesn't play, I got to give the needle going to Texas Tech. If you had to pick, what's your gut saying, Purdue or Texas Tech? Well, right now I just wanted to mention, because I, I talked mm-hmm. about Purdue, I wanted to also put in something for Texas Tech, is that they're a team that's you can tell they're getting better, mm-hmm. but it's also because they're healthy. Yep. They have, right they the have right Keenan Evans their number one uh-huh. player on their team healthy. And, and he Zaire had Smith. 22 points and 23 points respectively uh-huh. against SF Austin mm-hmm. and then against Florida. And then Zaire Smith has just gotten better in this tournament yep. as it's gone along. 10 points against SFA and then 18 points against Florida. Mm-hmm. And both of them have been dogfights. I mean, SF Austin really played well against them. They were down it. I want to say Texas Tech, weren't they down at halftime or something like that? So. They, it was it was a really close game. And then the game against Florida, again, another close game. They're able to come out in the end and win that one. But you have those two players, and like you mentioned, Zaire Smith as well. That's tough. And how are they going to be – how is uh, Purdue going to be able to defend against that? But how's Texas Tech going to be able to defend against some of the big guys that – like uh, harms and how are they going to be able to defend the outside shooting mm-hmm. that Purdue brings as well? I'm going to say then this one, and it's really honestly, it's it's really a, a tough a tough choice. Do I need uh, and, to pick and, up the coin? And That's the question. It's it's a tough choice in this <laughs> one because 
Both teams are are looking really good. They're pretty hot. They're still they're still moving right along, even without Isaac Haas. The fact that mm-hmm. Purdue was able to win yesterday, I know it was close, but I, I'm going to say I'm going to say that the Texas Tech Red Raiders okay. are going to edge the Boilermakers. Don't need the coins. So I'll put it right there. How about Villanova, West Virginia, and West Virginia team from my original bracket? They're my Final Four team. They're the team that I picked to get out of this region. This was a matchup I picked, and to me, the thing that West Virginia showed, I know it was Marshall, but what they showed is they are a very good defensive team, and it is going to be hard to beat them. And this is a matchup I had wanted to see because I want to see everyone coming into the tournament is Jalen Brunson this and Jalen Brunson that and Mikhail Bridges, like draft talk, Mikhail Bridges this, Mikhail Bridges that. Are they great players? Do they deserve that much talk? Yeah, I'm not saying they're not. I love I love Brunson without even knowing him, and that's because he's a Chicago guy. Well, Chicago area guy from the Lincolnshire area, Stevenson alum. But this is the matchup I wanted because you've got the team with the scorers, the big one being Jalen Brunson, who's a player of the year caliber player, and then you've got West Virginia, who's that gritty defensive team. From the Big 12, this is going to be the game I am most excited to watch. And I think it could end up in an upset with West Virginia moving on to play Texas Tech in a Big 12 Elite Eight matchup. I think it's going to be really hard for West Virginia to win this game. And I think it's going to be difficult because, yes, you have a good defense. But how good is your good defense against mm-hmm. the number one offense it's in the country? The it's going to be put to the test, and it's going to be really hard. And I'm not saying that they can't do it, mm-hmm. but I, I think two is is and, and I'm not saying anything about about West Virginia not being able to score either. But everyone was talking, I think, coming into the tournament about wow. Look at Virginia. Look at Virginia's defense. Man, they're good. They've got good defense. They've got great defense. They're going to win a lot of games because of their defense. Well, they lost because they had no offense. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't find it. Now, is that going to happen to a team like West Virginia? Are they going to come? Are they going to play some really good defense? Are things going to go really well? They're going to kind of, you know, hold... um, Villanova and Shaq, but they're not doing much mm-hmm. to pull away. It's still staying close because West Virginia can't can't score. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but Villanova and maybe I'm buying it too much. They are such a well coached team. They are. Jay Wright is such a good coach. He's so smart. He's so good. He knows his guys. He puts it in the hands of his guys, and he is completely confident with what they're going to do. They respect each other. Jalen Brunson is a—I mean, he's a class act kid out there. Mikel Bridges, I I know I'm just kind of renaming and talking about the guys again that you talked about. But But they're the main guys. DiVincenzo, again, he's another one um, out there. You add him into the mix. Villanova's not losing. Villanova's not losing this game. They're too good. So I guess we're flipping a coin here. Heads is Villanova because you're going to pick Villanova. I got to stay with. I got to stick with. My I don't guns know why we're flipping a coin to Virginia. put someone ahead no, 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 to, no. to the next round when one of us doesn't want them to go. Well, it's because we need a tiebreaker. If we had a third person, like if Sean was just sitting here being Sean! our tiebreaker, that would be what we want. <laughs> Where but are Sean's you? not here, so I'm gonna flip the. That was a bad flip. I'm gonna do it again. It would have been heads, by the way. So you. So won. so 
Heads is Villanova because okay. they're on top. Okay. Tails is West Virginia, and it's Tails. I'll do one more. No, you can go ahead. If this is Heads, I'll do a third one. It's Tails. So they're not winning. West Virginia, Texas Tech. Who you got winning that one in this matchup? Just because that's what we have out of our flip coin pick. Because we need to flip a coin for that second pick. West Virginia, Texas Tech. Who moves on to the Final Four? I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Okay. I'm going to go with Texas Tech. You know what? Flip a coin because I can't go against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Even though I don't care if Texas Tech moves in, it's going to be West Virginia. So we're just going to pick our Final Four. First one. Kentucky, Michigan, who you got winning that game? Kentucky, the Wildcats, Michigan, the Wolverines. I'm going to go with Michigan. I think Good. that with, uh, I, and I'm not just doing that because you wanted <laughs> you don't me want to. to flip a coin. I'm going to go with Michigan because they are a team right now, not just with the magic that happened mm-hmm. the other night, but they have momentum. They've got a lot of momentum. They they are. If they have a if they continue to have good shooting nights, when I say continue, I don't know why I used continue because they really Just haven't had good con- start. Having but if they good start ones. having good shooting nights, we haven't seen one yet, mm-hmm. but we've seen it during the regular season. If they do that, if their guys come to play, Abdul Rahman leading the way. Abdul Rahman. That is going to help lead them over what is a very well built Kentucky team. West Virginia Duke. Who moves on? Duke. Yeah, same thing. West Virginia ain't going to win that game. Then we've got Michigan and Duke, who's winning the national championship. Duke. Oh, we got to flip a coin for real. Oh, I thought you were going to pick Michigan. Be on my side, B. I caught that one with my finger, so I'm not going to use that one. Heads. We'll do best two out of three because it's the national championship. Heads. Your coin don't like you. Your coin just does not like you. Pick a score. Michigan beats Duke by what? Um, I'm going to say 83 to 80. 83, oh, that's 20. 83, 80. Submit the picks. The onside kick now has a second chance group. I might make a group for it, so check the description. No one's going to win anything for this, just if you want to say, hey, you know what, I like filling out brackets, and I want to go against the primetime podcast. What would we have won we have the ours. first time? Um, the, for the first know, bracket. We're going we're gonna to figure that out. Okay. We're going to figure it out. We're okay. going to figure it out based on who wins it. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think of the Sweet 16. Let me know what you think of. Well, let us know what you think of the Elite Eight down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic, moving away from the tournament, moving into just general college basketball news and some of the big news to kind of shake the it didn't shake it that much because the tournament's going on and the tournament shakes everything and runs everything for this month and a little bit of April. Tom Crean though signed a six year deal with the Georgia Bulldogs. I want to ask you this: What does the Tom Green hiring or Tom Crean hiring mean for the Georgia Bulldogs? Well, I think it's going to be good for Georgia. Uh, this year they ended up eight and eighteen and fifteen overall, seven mm-hmm. eleven uh, in their conference. Right behind Alabama, and Alabama was a tournament team. I think that Tom Crean, he comes in, and I think I really do believe that with what Tom Crean can do, and things weren't going all that great at the end of his tenure with Indiana because I think it got stale mm-hmm. and he wasn't moving anywhere farther than Sweet 16, and they wanted something a little bit different. But there's a very good chance that Tom Crean can come in in his first season and take Georgia from where they are right now to make them a tournament team. 
again because Alabama made the tournament this year, 20 and 16, 8 and 10 in the conference. Texas A&M made it. Mizzou, Arkansas, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, Auburn. They all made it. You know what I find funny about this hiring? That the hiring of Tom Crean came just one day after Thad Mata said, I don't want the job anymore. To me, that shows, like, I know Tom Crean has the job, but does that show that Georgia was kind of like, hey, Thad, it's yours? If you want it, it's yours. And then once Thad was like, no, I don't want it, then they interviewed Tom Crean, he knocked it out of the park, and they hired Tom Crean. That's just one thing I look at. But the thing that I think of with this hiring, it comes at an interesting time. If this would have happened last year, last March, I'd be saying that this is a primetime move because the one thing you got to think about when Tom Crean was at Indiana, by the end of it, like the Big Ten is changing slightly from what it was. But overall, the Big Ten is a competitive basketball conference. Like Wisconsin was like, yeah, Wisconsin this year was 6-12 and 12 in conference, but Wisconsin was usually fighting for the top. You had Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin as your top five within Indiana usually. And then you had teams like Penn State, which was competitive, and Iowa, which was competitive, but those were kind of middle-of-the-pack teams. Now it looked like, just looking at this year, you still had your Spartans, Boilermakers, Buckeyes, Wolverines were there. But this year there was a lot more teams like you had Northwestern. Yeah, they went 6-12, and but they could have played spoiler any night. You look at how good the Nittany Lions were that you believe should have made the tournament. The Nebraska Cornhuskers, who I believe should have made the tournament. And I just feel like the Big Ten... Had has more competitive teams within its conference than the SEC does. Because I look at the SEC, and let's be completely honest, the SEC, and people might argue, for most of my life, the SEC has been about two teams. It's been about the Kentucky Wildcats of late and the Florida Gators before them. The only two teams you need to know from the SEC when it comes to basketball. I know what people are going to say, but Ricky... Mizzou had um, a second-seeded team, which I would say I think that was when they were in the Big 12, not the SEC. Like, oh, look at this year. Tennessee came out, and look what Bruce Pearl was doing with the Auburn Tigers. I am interested to see this year, well, not this year, next year, how Tennessee and Auburn fare. Because, yeah, Kentucky kind of had a down year compared to what we are used to them, mainly because they weren't the number one overall seed in their own conference tournament. Didn't matter. They won it anyways. But I wonder what's going to happen because I feel like the SEC is just as competitive up top. Like you look, same number of teams in double figures within a game of each other. Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Kentucky, Arkansas, Mizzou, uh, Mississippi State, and Texas A&M. However, those bottom teams, you look at the bottom teams, especially where Georgia is right now, none of those teams, to me, are upsetting those top teams. Where in the Big Ten, I could easily see more of like a, besides like Rutgers and Illinois, they get to push over here, but like an Iowa Hawkeye team that wasn't good this year. But I think on any given night, I think the Hawkeyes could play up and beat one of those top teams Give that a better chance of happening than like a South Carolina 
to beat one of those top teams. Well, but what I think Georgia has done is they've gone out and they've gotten themselves a coach who's 356 mm-hmm. and 231 yeah. in his career over a, you know, uh, uh, winning percentage well over 500. Mm-hmm. And you go and you get a coach that is used to a winning culture with what he he was doing in Indiana they were a solid team mm-hmm. they were a good team they were a, they were a we're going to the tournament a lot team mm-hmm. that's what they need in Georgia and what that can do is a lot of times players recruits they want to follow a good coach and how many guys do you think that Tom Crean might be able to pull now that he wasn't able to pull when he was in the Big Ten it might be different. The area mm-hmm. might be different. He might be able to get guys that he wasn't able to get uh, because it was the Big Ten in Indiana. I'm sorry. Indiana is not exciting. Well, I've been there. It's not exciting. But a place like Georgia, a place like the SEC, that could be a little bit more in- intriguing and exciting for a player. And you ta- you even said it. You, okay, you talked a lot, Ricky. Now, hold I know, on. I know. Is that Florida, you said it. They are one of those teams that's been good. As we remember when we were younger, mm-hmm. they were the good team. The Joe Kim Noah teams, they were really good teams. Yeah. Kentucky, for as long as we can remember, has been that good team. Who's going to be that that next one that jumps up and clearly says, we're going to be the next good team? Yes, you mentioned Auburn's got things going on. Tennessee's got things going on. Uh, Alabama was able to get there this year. Georgia, why couldn't it be Georgia? Why couldn't it be, or as they may say, why can't it be us? And I think you bring Tom Crean in, a, a coach who's got a really good coaching record, who has a good coaching resume, who's been able to do some really good things, who is not one who has, I guess, been sh- shy from being part of the tournament. Mm-hmm. His teams have been tournament teams. Have they gone as far as he would have liked them to? No, but that's something that I think would change for Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would bring in a whole lot more recruits because you get a guy like Tom Crean, who had a really good coaching record and who has a a really good, I think, stature in, in, in the coaching realm. Guys want to play for for winners. And, and that's you know something that, that Tom Crean is. I don't want to, you know, Put him up in the. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to put him in the Shashevsky and stuff like that because he's not there. But a guy who has been to the tournament, a guy who has had multiple winning seasons, that's what I think Georgia is hoping to get out of this. That by putting him as their head, he'll be able to build a good staff and he'll be able to build a really strong team. Well, and the thing that I'm looking at right now, doing a little bit of research before my next point. I know people are going to say, oh, Ricky, I didn't do your research there. But the thing that I'm looking for is just the fact of what kind of player, because the big thing that I think that Tom Crean is going to bring to this team is recruiting. And I look at the years, I'm just pulling up the years in Indiana that he went to the NCAA tournament, which was four years. The first one was 2011-2012. He had four players averaging double digits, and you had guys like Cody Zeller. You had Wofford um, with there. Wofford was a junior. You had Oladipo, who was a sophomore at that time. You had, I think, Zeller. That was Zeller's freshman year, but he was a guy who I'm going to get to in a second. 
we got to know his name a lot. Then you go to the next year, 2012-2013, where Zeller's still there, Oladipo's still there, that's Wofford's next year, Jordan Hall is still there, Yogi Ferrell is now, I believe, a sophomore in that team. Yeah, he was only averaging 7.5 points per game. And then the next year that he's in the tournament was 2014-2015, guys like Yogi Ferrell, who's an upperclassman, guys like James Blackman Jr., who I believe was not a freshman at that time. Or no, he was. He was one of the freshmen. But that was the one with uh, Max Otrell. You had Yogi Ferrell, who that was his junior year. Thing I'm getting at is he's not going to build a one-and-done culture. You're not going to get a one-and-done culture with Tom Crean. He's going to be the one to kind of bring you into that, hey, I'm going to have guys that stick around and you know their name. The big ones that I look at, Oladipo was one of those. You look at um, Cody Zeller was one of those. Wofford was one of those. Um, You look at guys that he had like Blackman Jr. stayed around for his second year. Yogi Ferrell stayed around till his senior year at Indiana. And even another one, this is coming from his Marquette days, This is one that was 2001, 2002. Guy who is in the NBA now, has himself an NBA ring, is from the Chicagoland area and shares a birthday with me. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. D-Wade. D-Wade was on that Marquette team. D-Wade was a guy who stuck around from 01 to 03 at Marquette, so he wasn't a one-and-done guy. You're not going to get that with Tom Crean. He's going to build that culture. He's also a guy where I believe he's also like the Calipari in a sense where education is important. I mean, coming from the Big Ten, it obviously is. Most of the Big Ten schools, it's like I know it just from Illinois in general, you're not just an athlete. You're also there getting into classes, getting credits, getting um, good grades in the classroom. That's what he's going to do at Georgia and Georgia, I think, give them about two years, two to three years, and they'll be a tournament team. Don't know how far they'll go. Don't know what seed they'll be, but they will be a tournament team within two to three years with Tom Crean. The Bulldogs this season scored 68.1 points per game. That ain't good. That's that ain't 301st good. in the nation. Not good at all. Now, if you look at Tom Crean mm-hmm. and his past offenses. Mm -hmm. He gets a lot of flack for running a complex, difficult offense. Complicated. But when Indiana came back on the scene, when he took over, you know, around the 2011-2012 season, because I'm trying to look and see when he did take over, 2008-2009, so a couple years after he takes over, their offense had ranked in the top 20 in the nation four out of those four out of five years. Mm -hmm. So, He's had a lot of good players, but only two, one of them being Cody Zeller, were top-tier recruits. Mm-hmm. And he was able to do a lot with a little. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I think that Tom Crean is one of the guys that is going to be able to turn this team around rather quickly. Because he knows what he wants to do, he knows the guys that he needs to get and that he needs to go after, and he knows what he wants to put in place. Mm -hmm. I mean, he already has a set offense that he is going to run, and he's going to run it. 
and as confusing or as complicated as it may be, he's going to do it. Well, and to me, this is it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I'm going to go back to a point that I made in the beginning of what are we going to see from Auburn? What are we going to see from Tennessee next year? Like to me, those are two teams. Yeah, they went 13 and five this year. But are they one-hit wonders? And the reason why I say that, the only reason why I say that is they kind of came out of nowhere this year. I was not predicting Auburn, and I know they're like, oh, Ricky didn't predict it, so it must be true. Um, I didn't predict Auburn to be at the top of the conference. I didn't pick Tennessee to be at the top of the conference. I was assuming Kentucky would get their shit together before they did, and win the conference, but they didn't. They're getting it together now, and it looks like they could make a run with what they have in the tournament. It'll be interesting to see if any of those two teams, like Auburn, Tennessee, fall back a little bit from their 13-5, and five, and then that makes it a little bit easy. Not easier, but it gives a... Because they fall back, Georgia can come up a little bit and join those teams that are fighting at the top of the SEC for those, let's say first-round buys in the um, SEC conference tournament. You know, it's going to be interesting uh, this this next season to mm-hmm. see, d- is the SEC going to be strong again? Are they going to have as many teams into the tournament as they did this this past season? You know, you look at, you look at all the teams they had in and you go, wow. I mean, and this is for a conference that, is a football conference. Mm-hmm. So for this many teams to make it in for basketball, that's really intriguing. But I think to bring it back to Georgia, we could be talking about the Georgia Bulldogs as one of those teams next year. Now, I'm going off the cuff here, and you're going to get mad at me, but I want to ask you this question anyways because I'm starting to think about that. I completely forgot about this until we were starting talking about Tom Crean. Tom Crean, not the only coaching hire that people are talking about this week. A lot of people are talking also about what the Memphis Tigers did as well. And they were a team. They got rid of Tubby Smith. He's now gone. And to me, interesting, like I said, off the cup, moving over a little bit, Penny Hardaway. Like, to me, it's like, yeah, I know he's like recently AAU guy, Memphis area. But like, I was like, holy crap, NBA player. Do you, what did you think when you heard, all right, Memphis Tigers, Penny Hardaway, or did you think, Oh, that's good for Memphis, and then move back to the power schools, the main schools, because Memphis isn't in one of those Big Tens, SECs, ACCs kind of a conference. Well, I thought that was cool. I mean, they have, certainly have someone who has name recognition now. Um, that's, I mean, if they didn't before, they they definitely do now with the you name know, recognition, and that's going to hopefully bring a lot of people to that to that team to that school to want to play for Penny Hardaway, and mm-hmm. that makes sense. I mean, that's a good move based on that if it works. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on. You want to hear a conspiracy theory that I'm cracking up in my head? Sure. Or brewing up in my head? Sure. Who's, uh, we're going to get to this coach in the next segment, but uh, who's one player, or I should say one star NBA son who decommitted from Arizona? Shaquille O'Neal. Who used to play with Shaquille O'Neal in Orlando? Penny Hardaway. I am all, I don't know if this is going to happen, but this is my conspiracy theory. I think there could be a way for Shaq's son, who decommitted from Arizona, to make his way over to Memphis and play for Penny Hardaway. Didn't he already have like three other schools lined up? Just because I'm going to look to see if he actually committed to a school because I didn't hear anything 
about him committing. But just because you have a list doesn't mean that you're going to go to that school and that now Memphis can't join and pop in there because of this hire. Last thing I said is um, this this CBS article, Shaquille O'Neal's son wants no part of scandal and won't play for Arizona. Um, that's the last thing. And it looks like, do they mem- mention any teams? Um, he originally committed to the Wildcats over UCLA, ULC, UCLA, LSU, and Southern California, USC. So those were the three schools that he spurred to go to the Wildcats. Could Memphis be, could Memphis then compete like compete with any of those just because maybe Shaquille goes, hey, you know what? Penny's over here. Penny, like you could play for Penny Hardaway, the relationship there. Ricky. If Memphis I, this got is, this Shaq's is, this, son. This is what I've got to tell you though, is that Stop it, it. Should, <laughs> it well, it shouldn't be up to Shaquille O'Neal. He's not the one going no, to play. It's not. It should be up to his son. But and you I know that like a father would be like just one yes, of those but things. I hope he's not LeVar Ball. No, I I, huh. I don't think Shaq is. But huh. I'm saying just that, like, where it's like sitting at the dinner table, like you're talking about something, just, what about Memphis? And then just plant the seed in the kid's mind and let the kid run with it. Let the kid make the decision. If he wants to say no, fine, no. But I, I was just throwing it out there. I think that could be interesting. That's the first thing I thought of with Penny Hardaway. But last thing I want to ask here, circling it back to Georgia, Give me, I'm giving you two years, two to three years, I'll give you. Where's Tom Crean and the Georgia Bulldogs in two to three years? I think Sweet 16. You think, not just in the tournament, but a Sweet 16 team? Yeah. What I, can, I, 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 and I, low and I, seed, middle seed, high seed? Uh, as, a, as a middle seed. Okay. So like an eight, nine kind yeah. of a seed? Two, two to three years is, I think, plenty of time for Tom Crean to be able to turn around a team that's mm-hmm. not bad. But they're not good. It's taken them two or three at both Marquette and Indiana and to so get them to a postseason tournament. I, th- I think that, that that would fall right in line with what he has been what what he has been doing, and I think that Sweet Sixteen could be could be in the cards. Could I, be. I don't know about Sweet is, is, is that a little bold? It's yes, a little bold, but, but I like it. I like how bold it is. I'm going to say they're in the tournament in two to three years. Two years could be three years. Like I said, that's going off of how. I think it took him two years at Marquette, three years at Indiana to get into the tournament. And, Ricky, after what we're seeing this year, anything's possible. Yeah, anything. You can get into the 16th seed and win a game these days. But you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below about the Tom Crane hiring. What does this mean for the Georgia Bulldogs? And I'll also throw the Penny Hardaway one out there. I just had to mention it. Let us know what you guys think about that all down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And we're taking a look at Sean Miller and the Arizona Wildcats, and mainly because the Arizona Wildcats lose to Buffalo in their first round game, first round, and I picked them to go to the final, like, either final four I would have went with. Originally, I had Virginia would have lost in the first round. I changed it to Arizona after that injury. Arizona goes ahead and loses. I don't know why I picked Arizona, because I was doubting them before the tournament, but I still (laughs) did it. We're having a conversation, though, today because of... The first round exit, because of the disappointment that Arizona fans are feeling, I'm asking you this, and I'm going to phrase the question in a different way than I have it in the title. I'm going to do this. Arizona should fire Sean Miller. Overreaction or not an overreaction? No, it's not not an overreaction because 
I think that they should fire him alone for what Brandon, he, I think they should have fired him yesterday. No, I mean, I think they should. I, 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 I don't think that Arizona can afford to keep a guy on as their head coach, mm-hmm. as their face of their basketball program after what has happened. Mm-hmm. That's not good. And if Arizona does keep him, I mean, if, if, if they came out, if the FBI came out and said, oops, wrong guy, we, you know, we thought we got him. It's actually mm-hmm. somebody else. Okay. Yeah. But if everything turns out to be accurate and he did what they say he did, he's got to go. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You've got to go. You cannot, you cannot continue to be the face of a basketball program or of a school. If you're a criminal and if you've done something wrong, you know, Larry Nassar cannot continue to or Nasser, whatever his name is, could not, could not continue to be the head of, you know, Michigan State's, you know, whatever their their uh, uh, I don't know, their training, gymnastics. whatever gymnastics, whatever, because he, you know, did all these things. He, you know, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, his is a bit different, but you've got to go. The people who knew about him doing what he was doing got to go. Sean Miller did what he did. He's got to go. That is that is not good. And keeping him around says you're okay with that. And that's that's just that's just for his act his illegal criminal activities. Mm-hmm. Look at what he's done. Yes. Has Arizona been good? Sure. But let's have a larger conversation about how piss poor the Pac-12 is. Mm -hmm. How about that? Um, But, yes, NCAA Elite Eight. uh, Then the next year, uh, NIT. Then Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Elite Eight. First round, 2015-16. Two out of the last three years. First round, Sweet 16, first round exit. You can't get past the Elite Eight? Mm-hmm. You can't get that program well, past the Elite Eight? And the thing I was looking at is each time that they played in the Elite Eight, the first one was 2011. That was the year that Connecticut beat Butler in probably what could have been dubbed the worst national championship of all time um, with how low that game was scored in the first half and then how it ended. They lost to Connecticut in the West region. You can then say, you can at least say, ah, we lost to the champion. However, you still lost in the Elite Eight. Then 2014, that's when Connecticut beat Kentucky in the national championship. I believe Arizona lost to um, Wisconsin. They did. They lost to Wisconsin by one point in overtime. So you didn't lose the championship championship team there. Then when Duke beat Wisconsin, the Grayson Allen freshman coming out party. That's what that national championship is. Arizona lost to Wisconsin, who went to the national title game that year. So you could say, hey, we lost to the runner-up. We lost to the national champion. And then that one Wisconsin, they just went to the final four. But we could have if we won that too. I wonder if, because you can be on, to me, you can be on both sides of the fence here. You could say no, because at least he's making the tournament. Not just that, three of the last four years, his Arizona team has won both the regular season crown and the tournament championship crown. And if we go one more year above that for the last five years, they've at least won the regular season crown in those five years. However, the question that I ask is, 
is that really a accomplishment that you can go, yes, we're going to hang on to that because of how weak the Pac-12 is? Yeah, I was going to say, let me go through and talk about all the Pac-12 teams <laughs> that we had in the tournament this mm-hmm. year. Arizona. Oh, wait, we're done. <laughs> you know, I mean, they've been awful. Yeah. So so to say that they've won, uh, you know, the Pac-12 title, mm-hmm. you know, four out of the five last, four out of the five, four out of the last five four years, five. I just couldn't say it. What the yeah. hell's wrong with me? Four out of the last five years, that's. That's nothing. Well, just that's to... nothing. That is that is no huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. It's not like saying, "Man, we really we, we we really battled for the ACC, you know, champion uh, championship the last uh, five years." No, it, it it just doesn't have the same luster. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. You know, one, no one's watching your games because they're sleeping, and two, they're boring. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, the teams are not that good. Uh, it's I mean, yes, yes, was. UCLA almost, almost in it. Yeah, but they they weren't. End of the day, they weren't. And end of the day, Arizona has a cakewalk to get to the end of the regular season, and then they get into the tournament easily, and they should be able to do damage there, so, but they do not do it. Here's a little uh, looking some stuff up while you were talking. The four, the four years that we were talking about, you know, the four out of the last five, where they have had either the regular season or the regular season and the tournament crown. In 2014, the Pac-12 was tied for second with most teams in the tournament with six. UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, and Stanford. 2015, they had four Arizona, Oregon, UCLA, pardon me, and Utah 2017, they had four, Arizona, Oregon, UCLA, USC. This this year, they had three. They had Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA. Two of those were in the first round and never made it to the field of 64. Ricky, I want to stop this really quickly, and I want to ask you, because mm-hmm. I gave you what I think. Yeah. What do you think about Sean Miller? I mean, we're getting deeper into Arizona right now, and that's good, but... What do you think about Sean Miller? That's the topic. I think he's a coach where if you are complacent with making the tur- a making the tournament, b maybe making it to the second weekend, then sure, keep him on. He's a criminal. What do you think about that? With that one, like with the whole FBI thing, he should be fired. I'm with the play though. It's one of those where if you're comp if you're competent with a, you know what, we made the tournament, we're going to make it to the second weekend more times than not. Then sure, keep them. You're never the goal is to win a national championship, or as what I saw in a YouTube video this week, the goal of the March Madness is to create losers because we get most of those rather than winners. The goal is to win that championship. Sean Miller's never been to a Final Four. The FBI thing is just icing on the cake at this point. The real base of this cake is: Are you okay with just going to the tournament? With just going to the tournament, I'm going to go. I'm going to go maybe to the second weekend because, like we said, three of the last whatever years he's been in the second weekend. But I'm never getting over that hump to get into the Final Four and to compete for that Final Four. Because of that, because that to me is more important. I don't want to say more important, but that to me is the fundamental base of it to where even without the FBI thing, just with the play, 
with the tournament and everything that goes into it, are you confident with that? I am not. I'm going, hey, you know what, Sean? You've been good for us on the court. We've gone to the second weekend, what, three of the last five years. But I'm sorry, we just need a new face here. We need to just wash our hands clean and just get a new face, get some new life in here because it's going to come down to are you complacent with it or do you want to move forward and potentially go to that national championship game? Because the last two years, Lori Markkinen and Alonzo Trier, I mean, Raleigh Atkins was injured last year. That would have been a huge help to him. But this year you had Alkins, Trier, and DeAndre Ayton. And how in a game against Buffalo, Brandon, do you not let DeAndre Ayton touch the ball? Like, come on. He's the number one, well, going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And you decide, no, I'm going to let my guard shoot it, who can't hit the broadside of a barn today. I ain't just based off of the play on the court. Sean Miller got to go. The FBI thing doesn't help. That's just the icing on the cake to get them out the door faster. And, you know, I think that, again, it's 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 one of those things where Arizona is right now. I think I, 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 I'm telling you my opinion. Mm-hmm. What Arizona, I think, is going to do, I think they like being able them. to continue to win. Yeah. They like being able to continue to control a very weak Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Why, why would you not, I guess, but... If he cannot continue to get, if he can't consistently get you to the tournament and then be able to actually give you some hope once you get there, Elite Eight is nice. But if that is your cap, Mm -hmm. that's all you're going to be with this team. I mean, you should have gone with what you had, with what you had this year, with Trier, with Alkins, with Aiton. You should not have been the first, uh, first weekend team. Second, well, the only way I would, like, the only way I'd be okay with them being bounced in the second weekend is if they would have lost in the second game to Kentucky. That's the only thing. Yeah, well, at least then, at least you're losing two. And I don't want to say that Buffalo's not a quality opponent, but you should have won with the players you had Mm -hmm. in Arizona. You should have wiped the floor with Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Not the other way around, get, but Buffalo was just faster. Arizona was slow. And that was they Buffalo's first tournament win ever, I believe. I mean, I think the, that was their first tournament win. All the credit in the world to Buffalo, but well, yeah. Arizona, where are you at? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's seriously mind-boggling how bad they were in that game. And I, I know it's not all Sean Miller. He can't be the guy out there to go and do it, but you have to have a better game plan in place. Well, and this is more than just... This is more than just Buffalo this week. This is losing. Like, if you want to, it comes down to the cliche. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best. You lose to Connecticut, they win the whole ship. You lose to Wisconsin, they're the runner-up in the tournament. You lose to Wisconsin, they're a Final Four team. You lose to, um, what was it, they lost to Xavier last year, I think was the team. That they lost to, they almost lost to St. Mary's. They they their two two fifteen matchup from last year, I believe, played them really tough as well. I think they only won like a hundred to eighty two in that game. There's no reason that they shouldn't have gone a little bit farther than they did. There should be no reason that they haven't made the final four to this point. And I think it's going to come down to, for me, of 
How much longer do you want to just make the tournament and not go to the Final Four? Because, spoiler alert, hot take alert, Sean Miller's never going to make the Final Four. There, I said it. He's never going to do it. He will never have a team that will make the Final Four in my mind because I don't see him as a Final Four coach. He's not that coach that can bring his team to the Final Four, and he doesn't have the players that he can rely on like what, like, Coach K, well, Coach K is a better coach, but what Coach K has at Duke right now. The next question would be, if you were to get rid of Sean Miller, who do you get? Mm-hmm. Who do you get? Who's going to be the next person to lead your team? You know, are you are you going to get one of the grab one of the mid major guys and bring him up to Arizona? You could, but then the question is, are you not starting all mm-hmm. over? But are you instead of being way out in front of the pack? Are you now dipping back down where the pack catches you and you have to take a year or two years to kind of re mm-hmm. rebrand, rebrand Arizona basketball? And I'm not saying that they need to re- – people. Arizona fans are probably thinking that we're nuts right now, mm-hmm. probably saying we don't need to be rebranded. We're fine with only going I don't, to I the don't Elite care. Eight. I think you should but be fired. I, I, I just think that you take a look at it with everything that's gone on, especially this season. Mm-hmm. I, and I remember watching a game day, and Jay Billis said, Sean Miller is never going to coach again. If all this comes out to be true, he's never going to coach again. So if Arizona gets rid of him, no one's going to want to pick him up because of what – is following him. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. I don't think any team would put their, I don't think any program would put themselves at risk to go and get him if he were, were let go. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't see how Arizona can be okay with what continuously is now happening. I feel like in these tournaments, especially with the, what have you done for me lately? Question two out of the last three years, you have gone home the first weekend. That is not good for Arizona basketball. Yeah, and the thing I'm looking at right now is I'm just looking at some of the mid-major coach. Because to me, I would dip into that mid-major pool because there are some good coaches within that mid-major only because I don't think it'd be different if Tom Crean was still out. If like a Tom Crean was still out there, if you want to hit a home run and get a guy that's going to be like, you know what, this is a guy that – then go Thad Mata. But I think Thad Mata's in the um, less mile category for things where it's going to be, hey, you know what, I'm not taking a job unless I really, really am going to take that job. And, like, some of the ones I'm looking at right here of co- – like, I'm trying to think. Here, I'll, uh, while you're thinking, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you a guy who I would love to go after mm-hmm. if if I were, if I were Arizona, and, and it's and it's probably because I'm riding high on him right now because of where his team is right now in the mm-hmm. tournament and the energy that he brings. An Eric Musselman is he from Nevada? Nevada, yeah, yes. That's what I thought some someone like that. His players get he th- the turning point in the game against Cincinnati was the technical foul that was called against him. Mm-hmm. From then on, his team woke up and got going. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy who can pump up his team, who can excite his team, who can, who guys can rally around. A coach that they will respect, that they will play hard for, always play hard for, never quit. A guy like that would be a very good addition, I think, to an Arizona team that needs, I think, 
some life knocked back into them because they've just been kind of on the steady button right now, mm-hmm. just kind of cruising. They're on cruise control. Oh, we're going to win the Pac-12. Easy peasy. Oh, we're going to make the tournament. Oh, we're most likely going to win in the first round, but maybe not. And then we'll make it to the second round, and we'll do Sweet 16, and then we'll be matched up against a team that's pretty good, and they're going to beat us. And I think they need somebody who's going to bring something different. All right. I got some names for you. I got some names that I'm ready for. And these are mid-major. All of these are, to me, mid-major guys. I didn't look at any guys who were um, guys that were main coaches out there. The first one that I'm going to throw out there is a guy who's probably going to get a major job coming up soon, and that is um, Bobby Hurley's brother, um, Hurley from the Rhode Island mm-hmm. coach. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he's going to get an offer after this. I saw an article where I said Bobby Hurley's brother only because I clicked Bobby Hurley's Wikipedia page, and I didn't mean to do that. Dan Hurley is his name. He's a guy that's his team has gone to the second round two years in a row. He's really built up that Rhode Island program. Plus, you would get that kind of Hurley to Hurley rivalry with Bobby Hurley being with Arizona right now. These are all guys that are in the tournament this year if that's the road you want to go. Another guy that I brought up was he's been at the team that he's been at since 2008, doesn't have a great record, 55 and 8, but maybe you go with. Did you say got, 55 and 8? 55.8. That would be his percentage. He is oh. 192 and 152 overall since 2007, 2008. However, his last three years are 22 and 9, 20 and 12, 26 and 8. And that's Mark Schmidt from uh, the team I was riding this year, St. Bonaventure Bonnies, going with the Bonnies head coach. Then I've got Kelvin Kelvin Sampson, the head coach at Houston. He's been there since 2014. And then the last one is the head coach of the Seton Hall Pirates, who's been in the tournament the last three years. This is the first time he made it to the second round, and that is Kevin Willard. So those are some mid-major guys that I would go after if I was going to go that route. Because I feel like this year— you're going to kind of have to go that route if you get rid of Sean Miller because the pool that's out there, it's like you ain't bagging a Tom Crean. You're not bagging. Thad Mott is the guy that I think of. You're not going to get a great coach that just falls into your lap if you're Arizona. So my final question and unless thought you get, for you Unless you get Bill be, Walton to coach. But he wouldn't do that. Is, is Sean Miller going to be fired by Arizona? In per percentage that it would happen. Can I give a what I what I want to happen and what will happen? Sure, yes. What I want to happen is yes. What I think will happen is no. I I would love for what you said, uh, Billis, what Jay Billis said. I would love for it to say this comes out, he's fired. But I still feel with Arizona, it'll come out and they'll be like, nope, it's fine. It's fine. He stays. Because they don't want to, they don't want to fall out of where they are right now, of just making the tournament, being there, and being. They're complacent with what they are. They are complacent with what they are. I'd fire them in a heartbeat right now, 
but I don't think they will, and he will be the coach next year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that they really should get rid of him. I think they should get some new blood in there. Um, and, and, and and for the reason, if some new energy. Like, like I said, if, if nothing else, because you can't have a cloud like this over your program, mm-hmm. how long can you? How long can you? FBI investigation's been done. This has come out about it. I, I mean, the fact that, you know, you're talking about uh, trade, you know, $100,000 to to make sure that you get the best mm-hmm. player to come to your school. You know, there, we had we had the conversation of could 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 you should you really be able to do that? We had that conversation. Currently, you can't. You, you know what I was currently th- you can't. You know what I was just thinking? How much? Were, this is a joke, by the way. How much were you paying? To you should probably pay some more because the guys that you're you're getting can't even get you to a final <laughs> four anyway. So really, is your money really going to good use if you're Sean Miller? <laughs> Obviously not, because you can't get to a final four anyways. But you, the you, money that he paid for DeAndre Ayton, do you think he earned it? Do you think he's worth that? Do you think he's worth that money after this first round exit? I don't uh, think so. He's he's gonna get that more when he goes. To the oh NBA. yes, he is. He's gonna be the number one overall pick in my mind. Any final thoughts on this before we move on into some draft talk into Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below. What do you guys think? Should Sean Miller be fired? Will he be fired? What do you think about this? Arizona fans, I would love to hear from you. I want to know what's going on in the Pulse. Do you think we're crazy for asking this question? Do you think we're not crazy for asking this question? What do you think down below in that comment section? But Brandon, let's move on into our final topic. We're talking Michael Porter Jr. Didn't play so hot in the team's first in his first game in the SEC tournament game that they had. Didn't do so hot. I know he had, what was it, 16 points in the tournament loss to Florida State. Took 12 shots to get those 16 points, though. There had been somebody in the stands of that game screaming, Go Pro! as he was coming to the bench in that game. A quote from Porter Jr. after as he was swarmed by reporters. He said, and it's simple, I don't feel like I helped the team. Brandon, I will ask you this. When it comes to his draft stock, has Michael Porter hurt his draft stock playing in these two games and coming back this year? Well, I think it would be easy to say that, oh, yeah, he's he's hurt it because he didn't play well. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that he's, like I said, when, when you had asked me this question, uh, feels like a couple of weeks back now. I don't unless I had said unless he came out and he absolutely was awful. That's the only way that I think that he was going to hurt it. Was he awful? He wasn't awful. Mm-hmm. He made some shots. He had sixteen. Being a double double in in the tournament game, sixteen points and ten rebounds. That's on his second game back from a significant back injury. Mm-hmm. Being at I like 60, 65%. I don't too. think that he's going to really hurt his draft stock that much. Mm-hmm. I really don't because the fact that he's still able to chip in 16 points, 10 rebounds. Did he help his team? You know, there needed to be more than just Michael Porter Jr. to make up for the, the points that they didn't have, the 13 yeah. points they needed to tie the game as they lost 67-54 to 54 to Florida State, who did then go on to beat Xavier, by the way. Um, I I don't think that Michael Porter Jr. really played as bad as he probably thinks in his mind or that people around Mizzou basketball 
are probably believing. Mm-hmm. Like, if they expected that they were going to get a savior to come back and be this 100% healthy guy who is going to go out there, get him 28 points a night, then they're crazy. Then they have some crazy fans. But I don't think that he's going to drop all that far. Will he drop a couple of spots? I could see that. Mm -hmm. Like, will he be a number one pick? No. Will he be a number two pick now? Probably not. But... I still think he could be a top five pick. I I I think that he had to. He really would have had to have done a whole lot of damage and just absolutely stink. Like go O of seventeen would have been bad. He didn't do that. Just to give you some perspective of the kind of trajectory that Michael Porter has had, mock draft style, our one on the fast break side. Sean had him the highest at three. I had him at four. Dave had him at five. Then on our 2.0, Dave and I had him at five. Sean had him at seven. The one we just did this week that took into account the two games, Dave had him the highest at three. Sean had him at four. I had him at five. And for me, that's where it's like, did he hurt his draft stock? The true answer to that question is no. Because you can still look at the player and be like, I know what I'm going to get. But it's like, is he going to be number one? Is he going to be number two? Is he maybe going to be number three? No. I don't think he's a top three pick after those three games. However, the good thing is, and this is also I was going to answer this question of, did he hurt his draft stock? Well, if the draft was tomorrow, then yes. Good thing the draft ain't tomorrow. He's still going to have the combine to go through if he wants to. If he can show, to me the big question is, can he show teams what he's like when he's not 60%. Because another quote that I have from him after that loss is, if everyone was healthy and nobody had transferred, I mean, it would have been a whole different process of elimination in terms of a decision. There would have uh, there would have been more thought to it with Cullen, that's Cullen Van Leer, going down with a torn ACL. It was a no-brainer, even at 60%, 65%. I was going to do what I could. So he was playing at 60-65%, still showed flashes of a top 10 pick. Like there's no we're not going crazy here. We're not saying that oh, he played bad, not a top 10 pick. Get him out of here. He's not a lottery pick. No, we're not saying that. But to me I feel like he still has a little bit to prove on the sense of all right, you showed what you can do at 60-65%. By the NBA Combine, I'm hoping you're closer to 90 because I want to see what you can do at 90. If you can do what we thought you could do at 90 at the Combine, I'll forget all about this injury, and I will draft you in the top three. Maybe not number one. I don't know. Even with the strong Combine, if he could catch a DeAndre Ayton or a Luka Doncic, but I think he could still be a top three pick with a strong Combine. Well, that's what we want to be able to see. We want to be able to see the true player that we're going to be able to get. Mm-hmm. And and I think to see this at half or a little bit more than half of what he can actually do, I, I think that that's I think that's pretty good for a guy who's literally getting getting cleared and going right into play. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I mean, you're also asking a whole lot of him, and you're also you're also putting a whole lot on him right away to. Go in, okay. And, and and when I say your, 
I mean, his coaches, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they know what to expect. You know, they want to get as much as they possibly can. They want to be able to get his absolute best, but they know they're probably not going to. Mm-hmm. But they're getting his heart. He's going out there, he's giving them that, and he's going to play. It's everyone else who expects... Oh, he's back. He better be playing like he like he was uh, when we saw the videos on him when he was at the beginning of the season before he got hurt. That's just usually not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen here. But I think that to be able to see, like you said, flashes of what he's able to do. Again, I, I like the 16 points, 10 rebounds. The fact that he was able to chip in that much mm-hmm. and be that much of a of a, a difference maker in terms of where he was and how his team was. And I think it also makes you have to bring into effect the the fact that the, everyone else around him, what else was he playing it with? Who else was he playing with? Multiple other injuries and, and, and guys that just weren't just weren't at 100 percent. And that's usually where you're at when you get to the tournament. You have to try and fight through that. They weren't able to get that overall. But for Michael Porter Jr., he has been hanging solid in the top five. For so long, mm-hmm. like I said, there was going to have to be something dramatic that would have happened mm-hmm. to knock him out of there. And he's he didn't do anything dramatic to knock him out of there. He no. did enough to keep him right where he was. Well, and the thing that I even look to as I scroll down the article that I'm looking at from KansasCity.com, they even asked Jonte Porter, his younger brother, um, what he thought, and he said... He made a couple bonehead mistakes. That's what's that's what's going to happen if you aren't playing the whole season. And here's a question I'm going to throw out there that I've thought about. Could we see Michael Porter Jr. do the Miles Bridges treatment, I'll say? You know what? Top Could be a top 10 pick. I'm going to stay another year, though. I'm going to stay another year in college. Maybe instead of, well, and it all depends on the, because I'm not sure. I know that the there's a deadline in the NBA of after the lottery. Once the lottery is set, teams can then decide if they want to go back to college after seeing the complete order. I don't know off the top of my head if that date is before or after the combine. But if he's feeling like, you know what, I'm not going to be 90% by the combine. Could there be a chance? I think there could be a little bit that we maybe see a Miles Bridges thing where it's like, wow, he he could have been a what kind of a pick and he's going back to school. What are you thinking? Do you think there's any thought in the mind after these games that Michael Porter might be saying, what if I go back? Like, is that even a thought in the mind or do you think Michael Porter is just NBA, NBA, NBA? There's probably a lot of thoughts in his mind and probably number one thought is I've got to get healthy real fast Mm -hmm. uh, because I think he wants to be able to go to the NBA and I think he wants to be able to be a high draft pick who wouldn't who who would who truly would would not down who truly would not want to be able to do that but I wish I could be but you also have to be you also have to be ready Mm -hmm. Miles Bridges he would have been fine with it but he he had a different he had a different thought it's not that he didn't want to do it it's that he had a different thought he went in a different direction pause really quick Random question, because it's just hit me. I thought about this today. Just quickly, yes or no, then back to Michael Porter. Miles Bridges didn't win a championship. Does he then stay for a third year because he wants to win a championship? Does he stay a third year because he wants to win a college championship? He's still got two more tries to do it. 
Just a thought I had. Okay, Michael Porter. I don't think just so. A, just I don't, a thought I had. I don't think so. <laughs> Going back, though, uh, Michael Porter, his his ultimate thought right now should probably be, I have got mm-hmm. to get healthy and I've got to get ready for uh, the, the NBA Combine and, and, and make sure that I am well prepared to show them everything that I've got to my fullest. But if there's something that happens or he doesn't feel like he's going to be there, I think you have to truly start considering maybe staying. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's going to happen, but you want to be able to show them your best. You also want to be comfortable be and be at your best. If you're not, then, then why do it? Then why do it? Why start off your NBA career little screwed up and, and, and a little off when you could go back, get right, get healthy, have a whole season of being healthy. Mm-hmm. But then the question could be, what if you went back and something else happened? What if you hurt your back worst? I looked up the timeline, though, really quick. So May 15th, draft lottery here in Chicago. Let's hope there's a little rig magic and the Bulls get that first overall pick. So the 15th of May will be the draft lottery. That's when the order set in stone. That's what we know what it'll be. Then the 16th through the 20th in Chicago will be the NBA draft combine. So you get lottery. Here's what it is. There's the combine for the next four days. Then players have until June 11th as the NBA draft early entry withdrawal deadline. So by 5 p.m. Eastern on June 11th, players will have to decide, do I want to go? pro or do I want to come back to college so basically what he could do see the order I don't think that matters to him but do the combine and then after the combine be like all right now let me just take the month to decide on my decision was I happy with what I did do I feel like I can make that jump right now to the NBA of where I am because that's going to be two months of getting healthy before the combine and then another month before the deadline or after the combine, then he could be like, you know what? Didn't feel so good about that. I'm just going to go back to school. I'm going to go back to school, have another full year, prove myself, kind of do the Miles Bridges thing. So that's kind of the timeline that we're working with. I don't know. If you you put a gun to my head and was like, is he going to stay in school or go? I would probably say go just so you didn't shoot me. Um, But... I would have a really hard time believing my answer because I think there's, I think with Michael Porter Jr., don't know him personally, but I think there could be a little thought in there because we've talked about it before with, uh, oh, do I want to stay and play with my brother? His dad has connections to the Missouri basketball team. There could be a little thought that he goes, you know what? I'm going to stay in college one more year. And for Michael Porter Jr., because of the injury, depending on the combine goes, it might not be the worst thing in the world if he did that. However, you always got the side of just go get paid, do the Ben Simmons treatment, and take your year off while cashing in on that NBA paycheck. Well, you know, I think you're right, and I think there's there's plenty of talk, especially now, as of you know we we as of hit the 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 tournament ending mm-hmm. for Mizzou and, and them being done and, and everything like that. I think that it, it makes things a lot more. Okay. What's what is next? Are you moving forward? How are you going to 
prepare. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Michael Porter Jr., you've either got to prepare for the NBA and get ready to go or, or prepare you to come back to prepare school. to come back to school. They are two completely mm-hmm. different roads and two completely different paths in the way that you're going to be preparing. Um, because the the NBA is going to be, I think, a little bit more rigorous. There's gonna mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more impressing that you need to do if you're coming back to school. I don't think you necessarily need to be impressing anyone. Well, that's that's going to be if you're coming back to school. I'm I'm focusing on making sure that I'm going to be 100 percent healthy mm-hmm. and then moving on with the uh, and then and then getting back to where I'd like to be. But with the NBA, I think that that is. Yeah, you want to be healthy, but you you're focused on I have to be the very best that I possibly can, even if I'm not a whole a hundred percent healthy. I have got to focus on being the absolute best so that I can impress and, and get that good draft spot. Here's what I'm thinking, Michael Porter Jr. Because I know you're listening. If you if you want to go the mile, and the one thing I haven't mentioned about the Miles Bridges route that someone's probably already mentioned in the comment section, Miles Bridges didn't come back because of an injury. Miles Bridges came back because he said, I want to win a national championship for Michigan State. Hey, Miles, you can still do it. You can still come back and win a national championship. you got two more years to do it. But with Porter's situation, the only reason in my mind he comes back is if he still wants to play for his dad, who is an assistant coach with the Missouri Tigers. Or if John Tay's like, you know what? I don't like my draft situation. I'm actually going to stay in college an extra year. And if both the Porter brothers go, you know what? We want to play with dad one more year. We're going to stay in college. That's the only way I think he stays. If it's an injury question, I think he goes through the combine, does the best he could, lets the draft play out like it's going to, no matter what that is. And then do, at the worst, the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, those are the recent examples that I have of it, of, yeah, I got drafted by this team, my injury may keep me out, but at least I'm getting to use NBA facilities. I'm getting to, because I don't have to go to class, I can just focus NBA, NBA, basketball, basketball, getting rehabbing, working with pro trainers, depending on what team your trainers could be better than the other ones, but... That's the route I think he will go, unless it's like, I want to still play another year for dad because I'm never going to be able to do that if I do go to the NBA because I don't think Michael Porter Sr. is getting an NBA assistant coaching job anytime soon. I I, I, I know it's a... it's. It's a hard. It's a hard decision to make. It's, and I'm glad I'm not in that situation. It, well, it's it, it's definitely a hard decision for him because of the fact of, and maybe it isn't hard. Maybe it's not a hard decision. Maybe it's not a hard decision. Maybe it's for me. I'm, it would go, be. I'm going straight to the NBA draft. I'm going to be drafted um, at, at a, with a really good pick at mm-hmm. very high. I'm going to get good money. I'm going to be set. But at the same time. If he is not, if he is going to this team, not being one hundred percent healthy, you don't want to be that guy that's dogged by injury, one at the beginning of your career, and then not be able to get it right to be, to be able to fully go one hundred percent or ever really feel one hundred percent. I'm not saying that that mm-hmm. that would not. I'm not saying that that would be the case, but that's not something and not the way that you want to start off your NBA career if it yeah. were to happen. 
And if you were able to stay in school, get a year, a full year, hopefully, but then there's always, there's that, there's that what if factor. What mm-hmm. if something else happened and then NBA teams start to turn away from you because the next big thing comes on the scene. And that's what we're all about. The next big thing. Who's going to be the next big thing the that MBT. we, that we turn our, that we turn our attention to them. MBT. And then Michael Porter Jr. is an afterthought. That's what he Spoil- doesn't want either. Spoiler alert. The next Next big thing is Zion Williamson next yeah. year. He's going to shock. Oh, yeah. the, he's all we're going to probably talk about next year for the draft, unless he gets injured. Then we might talk about him even more because look at what happened with Michael Porter Jr. because he got injured. But I, but I think that that's a, but I think that that's a, a, a definite worry too. Is is that there's always somebody new coming up. And there's always somebody else that we're going to turn our attention to, whether it's the media, whether it's scouts, whether it's teams in general. That's why you almost have to take your, you know, your if you've got a good good draft and you know you're going to be a, a high pick and you, you, you're going to have good guaranteed money coming mm-hmm. to you and a nice contract. I mean, look at what's happened with Miles Bridges. Yep. He was going to be a really high draft. Uh, excuse me, draft pick, and now I mean people have him sixteen, seventeen into the teens. You know, I don't, I, I don't see him going to twenties. But I mean, look at what can happen in just one season. Mm-hmm. Two, two questions for you. One to put a nice bow on this Michael Porter Jr. thing. I believe he's going to go through the combine. And then go to the NBA draft. I don't think there is there could be a small chance he comes back. I don't think he does. Michael Porter Jr. NBA. What do you think? Shock the world he comes back for a sophomore season, or will we see Michael Porter Jr. in the NBA next year? I think we're gonna see him in the NBA. I think he's gonna make the decision to go. Second question for you it has nothing to do with Michael Porter Jr., but yet again, this is a week where a lot of stuff and questions happened where we could have done six topics today, but I didn't want to keep you guys here too long. I want to ask you this at the end as we're heading out into the end of the show. Tom Izzo. Is he going to still be at Michigan State, or do you think he gets fired? Because there are some rumblings that either because of getting bounced in the first weekend again, the stuff going on with the Michigan State and their scandal, is there a possibility that Tom Izzo's time in uh, in East Lansing is smaller and shorter than we may think? He said he's going to be there for a long time, though. I think he will be there for a long time. I think that this this was unfortunately another bump in the road, but what Michigan State needs to do and what I, I'm sure is going to be out there, and, and Tom Izzo is one of the, I, I would say, one of the most underrated good coaches in all of college basketball, mm-hmm. but because I really do think he he gets under he is underrated and he gets underrated by a lot of the people when they're rating coaches and stuff like that, but I do think that Michigan State needs to go far next year. And that and if they can do that, mm-hmm. that will put the last couple of uh season finishes uh in the in the rearview mirror and they can they can move on. But right now people remember Middle Tennessee and people certainly remember Syracuse right now. Well, and the thing that I think with Tom Izzo is the fact that next year, the thing that might be a little harder, of course, there's always new names every year, 
with Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr. I know Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't have a great tournament performance. Jaron Jackson Jr.? Yeah. Was, is he still on the team? I'm sorry, I didn't see him <laughs> the other day. Yes, he still is. But my point is, those two might not be on the team next year because they could be playing in the NBA. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think about Michael Porter Jr. Did he hurt his draft stock? What do you think? For the overall draft discussion with Michael Porter Jr. after the two games that we saw. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. Housekeeping here at the end. Patreon.com backslash most valid podcast. That's where you get to come on. You get to join a podcast. You ask questions for the monthly Q&A. I believe we have to do the March one. I don't think we did the March one. We got we to do that one for you guys. And then you can also get a Patreon exclusive podcast each and every month. I believe... You and I were on the March one. It was a while ago, so I don't remember if that was us. I think it was us. Yeah. I think you and I did it, so it's a great podcast. It's great as always. You can check out mostvalpodcast.com. That's where we put everything each and every day. You've got the Apple Podcast. Please go ahead and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. would mean the world to us. And last but not least, MVP t-shirts, those are down below in the description to our store. want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. want to thank you guys for listening to podcast services around the world. Last thing to housekeeping, forgot to add this earlier. Check out the new podcast MVP, The Outcast with Buzz and Juice. They're The Outcast because uh, we don't want them in the MVP studios. They're not allowed. So uh, they get to record in your mom's basement. I think that's what they're calling the basement is your mom's basement. I love you're it. You're being a collective lore. Um, but this is where you guys come in. Thank you guys for watching. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.